We're talking today to how to live when the world is upside down. And the answer to that question, as we've been looking at the writings of Jeremiah, is live in the love of God. And today, I want to encourage you to live your life in the love of God. Let me ask you the question, have you learned to live your life in the love of God lately? Because what we're going to find in the verses we read today is that God wants us to live in that love. And today, I'm going to show us that we can know that love, we can see that love, we can hear that love, and we can experience that love at the very deepest level. Now, a couple of weeks ago, the video that was trending on social media was the blessing video, which was just a remarkable thing, wasn't it, if you saw that? And uh, this week is a much lighter-hearted one, which is about two boys enjoying a bottle of Lucozade. <laughs> I love that video so much. It's, I just love watching the fun and the joy that they're having. Two brothers just having a whale of a time, laughing, living, loving what they're doing, loving Lucozade. And I don't know about you, Jesus said, be more like children in your faith. And sometimes it's messy, isn't it? Sometimes it's messy to, to experience the love of God experientially. In, in Acts chapter 2, the people experiencing the Spirit were accused of looking like they were drunk. And today, I want us to know that as we talk about the love of God, we're not talking about something theoretical. We're talking about something that can be known at the very deepest level of our being. And as we continue to think about how we navigate these perplexing times that we live in, there are many different approaches that we can have. And some of us uh, resort to denial, some of us resort to anxiety, some of us are finding ourselves super busy, some of us are finding ourselves super bored, some of us are experiencing just blissful joy and enjoying every moment of it. And some of us are experiencing that complex emotion of all five of those things at the same time, all at once. And there's something about British stoicism that we think will get us through. And to an extent, it does. You know, the keep calm and carry on. Here's a few new ones to add to the collection for you. Keep calm and wash your hands. That's the big idea here. Just do what you're told and things will be okay. How about this one? Keep calm and drink tea. Some of those little comforts will be the things to get us through. The idea behind that one. How about this one? Keep calm and play football. Because we all desperately need things to stimulate us and help us and entertain us. And it's amazing, isn't it, how... How entertaining South Korean and German league football can be when you really need it to be. But the Bible has this advice from Jude. He says, keep yourself in the love of God. So here's my instruction for you today. Do all of those things. Wash your hands, drink tea, watch football. But do this and make sure you're doing this. Keep yourself in God's love. Because this is the thing that can really help you today in a way that none of those other things can. It says in Romans chapter 5, as it contemplates the glorious future hope that Christians have, it doesn't just promise pie in the sky when you die, but it says this about the current, about the now. Let's read it. It says, 
Hope does not put us to shame or disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Future hope is exciting, something to look forward to, but we never quite know when that's going to happen. What's the thing that keeps us going now? The answer is the love of God poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Now, back to Jeremiah. Jeremiah wrote two books of the Bible, the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations. And Jeremiah is the prophecy pre the destruction of Jerusalem, the judgment of God coming for all their idolatry and evils that they've committed over many, many, many decades. And Lamentations is simply, it's five poems put together reflecting after the event on the destruction of Jerusalem for those who have been left behind. And it's a song of grief. And Unlike most books, if you're like me and you sort of zip to the end of a book to find out what the conclusion is, Lamentations doesn't really do that. It has very clever literary structure. Look it up in a study Bible sometime. But it's like climbing a hill and going down the other side. So if you finish Lamentations, you find it finishes with a whimper. Whereas if you find yourself in the middle of Lamentations where we are today, you find yourself having climbed the hill and above the clouds. And you find yourself where Jeremiah finds true hope in the midst of all of the sorrow that he sees around him. And we're going to read together from Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 to 25. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The assumption in our society at the moment is that waiting is bad. Waiting is waiting for things to return to how they should be in our minds. But I want you to notice here that there's something to be found in waiting. Hope is found in waiting. In fact, an experience of the love of God and a knowledge of the love of God is found in waiting. Waiting doesn't have to be unproductive. And he says, it's because of the Lord's great love. So it's this great love we're talking about today. And it's in the midst of the... You could be forgiven if you've read through, skimmed through Jeremiah and you thought, well, it, it, it doesn't sound like a very loving book to me. It seems to be full of the judgments of God. And there is some harsh judgments. And it's helpful to know that this was written at a moment in time, but we're to zoom out and we're to understand the true character of God. It's this, that although he is a God who judges and a God who hates sin and a God who holds to account, the Bible says that he is slow to anger and rich in love. And if we were to... Imagine the library of heaven and there was a section on the judgments of God and there might be a thousand books in that part of the library and then we moved ourselves into the section on the love of God. We would find ourselves counting millions and millions and millions of books as we contemplate the grace and the love of God available to us. And even in Jeremiah, we we find this constant thread throughout that God loves his people 
And he wants to do them good. Jeremiah 32, he says, here's my plan in the new covenant that he's looking forward to. He says, says, I will never stop doing my people good. Never stop. He's perhaps referring to what we read about in Ephesians where it says he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Never stops doing us good because judgment in the New Testament is taken out of the cross of Jesus. And therefore, we live in the blessing of God right now if you're in Christ. His anger lasts a moment, his favor a lifetime. So let's ask ourselves, and how do we know this love? How do we perceive it? And I said at the beginning, it's about seeing, it's about hearing, and it's about feeling. So first of all, how do we see the love of God? Well, we open our eyes to the world that God has made all around us. It says this in Psalm 145. It says, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Here's something you have to know about this God. He has compassion. He loves all that he's made. Jesus one time said, said, he was walking along the road and he saw the rocks and he said, do you know what, if these rocks could speak, they'd cry out in praise. And do you know what they'd say? They'd say, I'm a rock loved by God. I'm part of the creation. I came across a dead bird in the church garden the other day and I put it in the bin and I was thinking about it later on and I thought, you know what, God knew this bird. He knew all the days because in Matthew 6 it says he cares for the birds of the air. It says in Psalm 139 that he, he cares for you. He knows all about you. He knows when you were made. He knows about how you were formed in your mother's womb. He loves his creation. And it says in Revelation chapter 4 that for his pleasure we were created. You know, you give deep pleasure to God. And when God created the world and he spoke it into being, he didn't just create it as a podcast he created it as something visually beautiful that we could enjoy. Now, I think I'm remembering my, uh, my sort of National 5 grade biology properly, but when you go outside, as you're encouraged to do at the moment, to exercise more than once a day, if you'd like, you can see the beauty of creation in everything. And do you know why the grass and the trees are green? It's this, because... The trees and the grass, they absorb all the frequencies of natural light except for green and they reflect that back. They don't need that. So they take everything they need from the sun and they give back the green. I wonder why God did it that way. I think the answer is this, that he knew we did. He knew that we needed the green. We needed nature. We needed the beauty of it. Get yourself outside. Enjoy what God has made. Enjoy the intricacy, the beauty. Read books about it. Watch films about it. God is good, and it will feed you on his love when you see his beautiful creation. Here's the second thing. We hear God's love with our ears. We hear the truth of God's love for us in Christ through the word of God. So it talked in that verse we saw a moment ago. It says that God's compassions are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. Ephesians 2 verse 4 gives us more detail on that. In the new covenant, it says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead 
in transgressions. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. What does Jesus show us fundamentally? He shows us the mercy and the compassion of God. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Because he shows us all the mercy and the compassion of God we would ever need to know. And uh, kids, I, I know in King's Kids this morning, Callum and the amazing Billy were teaching you about this very thing, the story of the prodigal son where a, 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 a son who goes away from home taking half of his father's wealth with him, he wastes it all and he comes home and he knocks on the door asking for a job and nothing else. And the father doesn't give him a job. He doesn't reluctantly readmit him to the family. But he throws a sensational celebration. And that's the love of God. That's the love of God in Christ. It's sensational. It goes beyond all other loves that you could ever know. And today I want to encourage you to know that love. This isn't how we know what love is, that Jesus laid down his life for us. He demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Some of you struggle to appreciate and know how much God loves you. I want to encourage you to dwell on the subject of God's love for you. Even beyond this message, there's a book I'd really recommend by um, a guy called Sam Storms. And the book is called The Singing God. And it's full of scripture after scripture after scripture that tells you about God's passion and his heart for his people and for you. It will do you good. Something that's doing me good at the moment is I'm, I'm just tuning in to Terry Virgo, who founded New Frontiers, his... his um, uh, weekly devotional he does twice a week and it's only five minutes long and that, that kind of works for me and uh, five minutes and he, he just what Terry says in five minutes is what most preachers including me would say in five hours it's worth its weight in gold it's totally brilliant tune in it's on Facebook and it will do you good it will help you understand the riches of God's love for you here's the third way that we perceive the love of God so we See it, we hear it, and we experience it. So in Lamentations, we read that his mercies are new every morning. There's something now, there's something experiential. In Jeremiah, he describes the new covenant in Jeremiah chapter 31. And he says, I'll write my law on your mind and in your heart. And he says, no longer will people teach each other to, to know the Lord because you'll all know me. What's he saying? He's saying there's an experiential knowledge of God that you and I have in Christ and that we're to have day by day. And what we all need is a companion. Now, some of us are married, some of us have friends, some of us have flatmates, some of us live alone. I'm not talking about any of those things. What I'm talking about is this, that we need a kind of companion who will always be there for us no matter what. And you find even in the first marriage in the Bible, you find that Adam was a poor companion to Eve. Because she goes, she's tempted, she, she goes to eat some fruit that she shouldn't eat and he just stands by and he watches. The companionship that should have said, Eve, don't do that, honey. 
The companionship that should have dived in front of the camera and said, No! It wasn't there. And any human companion is imperfect. But do you know the companion that Jesus promised he'll be with us even to the end of the age is the Holy Spirit. And he never leaves us or forsakes us. And when it talks about the compassions of God being new every morning, I want you to think about that for a moment. People keep referring, don't they, at the moment to the new normal, the new normal. And what they mean by that is that things are changing and we kind of need to get used to it. But I've got to be honest, for you and me, there's a hankering for the life that we had sort of two months ago. To be honest, there's a longing in me for things to go back to how they were, for friendships and family relationships to go back to how they were, for church life to go back to how it was, because that was kind of fun. But do you know what this verse, what this truth teaches me is this, that God is here in the now. God is here now. His mercies are new every morning. And what the people of Israel found in the desert was when they tried to hanker after yesterday's manna, it went moldy. But when they ate today's manna, it was more than enough for them. So today, I want to encourage you that God is enough in this new normal because he's the God of the new. We don't find God in yesterday. We found him there yesterday when we were in yesterday, but we don't find him in yesterday today. We find him in today today. And tomorrow, we don't find him by worrying about tomorrow now. We find him by waking up tomorrow and trusting him. So this covenant is wonderful. This now experience of the love of God poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Do you know you can experience him right now? We had that verse earlier on, the, 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 the adoption of sons that cries out, Abba, Father. Oh, it's so good to be a child of God. It's so good to be loved by him. And the Bible says that perfect love casts out our fears. So today, whatever you're fearful about, whatever you're worried about, I want you to know that God's, by his spirit, is enough for you today. So I'm going to pray for us as we wrap things up here. And then we're going to at the end of that prayer, we're going to say the words together, what's known as the grace. It's a verse from the book of Galatians. But I just want to invite you right where you are, across the technology, God is bigger than the screens, bigger than the cameras, to receive the Holy Spirit right now. Because his love isn't just demonstrated 2,000 years ago. It's shed abroad in our hearts right now. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you love us. I thank you we see it evidenced in the beauty of all we see in creation that you made so perfect. Open our eyes to see that, Lord. Open our eyes to see the wonder of what you've done in Jesus the Son. Help us to hear that voice that calls us to follow him. 
and to receive his grace. But Lord, I thank you that you know our needs today. Lord, I want to pray for each brother and sister watching this message. I want to pray, Lord, that right now, that you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd demonstrate in their hearts how much you love them. I pray that you'd fill them with the assurance of future hope. Lord, I pray that you'd fill them with joy. Lord, we, we remember again the, the, those two boys enjoying the Lucas. We say, God, would you fill us with your spirit so that we can have those levels of depths of joy. We say, today, we need a bit of that, Lord, in our lives. We need your love. We need your spirit. I need it, Lord, especially. And I say, God, fill us again. Thank you. You're so generous and willing to give. Lord, I receive. Amen. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.